This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 7.05 a.m. on Tuesday, the 21st of February. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. In half an hour, we're going to take stock of regulatory developments in the global crypto space. But as always, we're going to kickstart this morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were closed for President's Day. In Asian markets, it was mixed. The Nikkei was up by 0.1%, Hang Seng up by 0.8%, Shanghai Composite up by 2%, Straits Times Index down by 0.6%, and the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.2%. For some insights on international markets and what's moving them, we do have on the line with us Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Joe, good morning. Thanks as always for joining us. Now, after last week's stronger-than-expected CPI and PPI numbers, the Fed does seem to be struggling to contain inflationary pressures. Why do you think this has been the case? Are tougher measures needed? Well, that's the expectation of the markets right now. Everything came in hotter than expected, CPI, retail sales, PPI. So the Fed's not done. There's even talk of doing 50 basis point hike in March. So, But I think that's overdone. We're going to see 25, maybe 25 percent in BIPs in May. So what the markets are basically pricing in, more Fed rate hikes this year, and we're not going to see any rate cuts until next year. That's been pushed out. So the markets are not happy with inflation, and neither is the Fed for that matter. Okay, I think this is all based on the fact that the Fed is very much sticking to its 2 percent inflation target rate. Is there a reason for this magic number, Joe? No, if there is, please tell me. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but I'd be honest with you also, if we got back down to three, th- you know, two and a half, we might declare victory and move on. But the 2% inflation target, maybe that's a, that's, that's a target for a different world. Maybe it's three, four, three and a half percent. We've got to see how things go in the energy markets, the war in Ukraine, food prices. So, yes, the Fed is being adamant about 2%, and that does worry the, the bulls, and it's good for the bears. And Joe, the ECB is hinting at a 50 basis point hike at its March meeting, as well as speeding up their pace of QE after June. How would you compare the severity of inflation in Europe to the US? Well, in Europe, it might be stickier in the sense that, you know, higher energy costs, they've really not let a lot of this energy costs flow through to the final consumer. So when they lift the caps, that could, could see a reignition of, uh, of inflation. So, and wages are stickier, right? Wages are actually rolling over in the United States. It's hard for wages to roll over in Europe because of the unions, the state government uh, c- controls or involvement. So I think inflation is stickier in Europe, which means the ECB has to be more aggressive this year as opposed to the Fed. And that's going to be a key sticking point. Okay, meanwhile, we look at the euro. It staged a recovery against the US dollar, but seems to be weakening again. Why are investors shorting the currency and what uh, short-term levels do you see it trading at? Well, I think it's more dollar strength because of the Fed not being done. So, you know, the, kind of the, the Fed being more work to do, raising rates, terminal rate going up to, say, 55 some people say 6%. There's more upside to the dollar. Or let me put it this way. There's, more, there's less downside. So, you know, since September of October last year, the, the dollar has weakened on the expectation that the Fed 
would start to ease up a little bit, inflation would come down. That narrative's shifted. So the dollar is gaining strength on the fact that the Fed is not done, and there's no rate hike coming. Rate hikes coming in 2023. Does this also explain why there's some weakening of uh, some emerging market currencies, like even the ringgit? I think so, in the sense that the, the inflation fight is still very hot as we go into February into March, and it's really across the board. You're seeing some of these currencies, equity markets, and the emerging markets pull back. They've had a great run. I mean, you, you know, you knew the January run was going to fade a little bit. And I think you're, what you're starting to see, whatever worked in January, it's going to start to fade in February. It's really open decision what happens in March. And what's your view on the yen? Because currently, if I look at Bloomberg, it's reporting that the yen is regaining its place as the most attractive option for carry traders to fund their purchases of high-yielding currencies. Well, you're seeing a lot of traders come back to the yen because we're now seeing the Bank of Japan get a little bit more serious about inflation. You're seeing inflation bump up. So there's more of a, a pulse, more of a trade there. So we are seeing the yen kind of get a little bit of a bid here. I wouldn't overdo it. Japan has a lot of work to do structurally and cyclically. And if we take a look at Asian equities, Joe, in terms of gross returns, the MSCI Asia Pacific Index has been outperforming the world over the over the last three months. What catalysts are causing these returns? Um, why are Asian equities? Um, why are they on a tear? It seems. Yeah, I wish I was part of that tear. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest. I think the biggest issue is the China reopening for real. I mean, that really caught a lot of investors flat-footed. More travel, tourism, higher agricultural prices, benefits, commodity prices, benefits, Malaysia, Thailand. So really, a lot of things have come together for Southeast Asia. You're part of the world because of China, more travel, tourism, agriculture, energy. And so, I mean, enjoy it while you can because we don't know how long this is going to last. But this is your part of the world is a great place to put some money to work right now. And Joe, is the market underestimating the impact of China reopening on all markets and commodities in general? I mean, not necessarily, but I think the key the key thing here is China's reopening is going to be should be led by the consumer, less by investment and property development, because the property market in China still has a lot to work through. So I don't think there's going to be this huge boom in construction that drives commodity prices, copper in particular. I think it's going to be consumption-led, so that means like more luxury brands, travel, leisure, uh, you know, more people going to Malaysia, down to Singapore, Thailand. So uh, commodities in China reopening, be careful there because it may not get that boost as you would normally think. Yeah, and do you think this rally that we saw in the CSI 300 last night, the hot, biggest jump in since November, do you think that has legs or is the market just a little bit too hot at the moment? I think it's a little hot here. I think you know people, you know, a lot of positioning going on in January, but I think some of this is going to start to fade. You know, sadly, I think you know our we had a great January here in the United States. That's going to start to fade as well. So, and now we're going to see who's got the staying power, what markets have, can, can go forward, and with the Fed back in the picture and the U.S. coming in very hot in January, you got to be really careful managing risk. So whatever whatever worked in January could be gone by March. So just and and that's typical. That's not atypical. That's how it usually works out. Okay, so Joe, last question from us. Since you say markets look set to be quite volatile, maybe a bit of retracement. Where can we park our money? Where's this? What are the safe haven assets? Safe haven assets. When we're pounding the table on defense, large cap defense, and you know, I'm sorry, it's a dangerous world out there. It's escalating the war in Ukraine. It's a one year anniversary. Taiwan, China, U.S. Um, you know, that's that's where we're putting money. New, the next new dollar we invest, and then also energy. 
minerals, metals, we still see a lot of upside there. So minerals, metals, and air, energy, aerospace, cybersecurity. Joe, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, uh, saying that uh, we're looking pretty good in this uh, part of the world in terms of putting money to work, um, but mentioning that uh, the assets or equities that he'd be looking to put money in would be defense and energy. Oh, yeah, and cybersecurity. All the threats that the world is facing, right? Monetize the fear. A little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> That's where the money is going to be heading. Uh, defense, definitely, right, for sure. Uh, the war in Ukraine coming up to its first year anniversary, no signs of it ending, in fact, escalating. Well, let's take a look at um, some earnings reports that have come across our table. And we were talking about this with Joe a little earlier regarding commodities outlook. Well, we have BHP, the world's largest listed miner. They... Minor as in like mining, not minor as in like underage. A BHP reported a steeper than estimated drop in profit at 32% to 6.6 billion US dollars in the six months to December 2022. And this was no thanks to weak commodity prices and rising costs. And in terms of dividends, shareholders will receive an interim dividend of 90 cents a share. That's down from $1.50 paid out in the same time last year. Total revenue fell 24% to 25 billion dollars. BHP is positive about the demand outlook in the second half of this year and into 2024 as well on the back of strengthening activity in China. And they also revealed plans to sell two more of its Australian coal mines as part of the move to reposition its portfolio away from fossil fuels. Okay, so currently BHP's most lucrative commodity is iron ore and that price fell sharply from elevated levels last year due to softening demand for steel from this property market slowdown that we've seen globally. So the miners targeting greater supplies of copper and nickel, the nickel, excuse me, the two minerals that the world needs, uh, especially for EVs and clean energy infrastructure. Now, if you look at the street, do they like this name? I'm sure this company also gets questions about its ESG practices. Eight buys, 11 holes, eight sells, so very divided. Consensus target price for the stock is actually below the market price. It is forty-six US Australian dollars and seventy-two cents. Last time price was forty-eight Australian dollars and forty-six cents. Let's turn our attention over to a prospective IPO. Dida, not Didi, Dida is considering raising around two hundred million US dollars through its planned Hong Kong IPO, and this is according to Bloomberg sources. This would be the first listing by a Chinese ride-hailing startup since Didi Global's ill-fated share sale in. 2021. So Dida is a ride hailing that focuses on um, private cars and smart taxis founded in 2014. So they could list in Hong Kong as early as in June, but its size and timeline could still change. So sources revealed that the company has obtained assurances from the Chinese regulators for the share sale to go ahead. Dida first filed for a listing in the Asian Financial Hub in October of 2020 and it then resubmitted it when the application lapsed in April 2021. But the IPO didn't occur before the end of the six-month window. Okay, so it looks like the capital markets in uh, Hong Kong are starting up again. Literally, this uh, Dida ride-hailing is probably one of the first earlier ones. Questions about pricing, right? Uh, I think that's going to be, I think, top of the mind of most investors. That is right. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. It is coming up to 7.17am. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to cover more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. But we do have a quick message for you. As fears of recession and inflation mount in an increasingly uncertain economic environment, 
thinking long-term has become crucial to anyone's wallet. But where do you start? From the stock market to unit trust to robo-advices and even cryptocurrencies, where should you park your money in today's world? Join us at the BFM Ringgit and Cents event, Investing Through a Stormy 2023, where our expert guests will share insights and tips. It's happening on Wednesday, the 1st of March. Get your tickets at bfm.my slash events. This event is presented by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.